There are so many variables when it comes to health, especially when you're trying to manipulate body composition. If we can minimize as many of those variables as possible and standardize them, then we should be able to tell, okay, we change this variable, there's a response. We change this variable, there's a response. But in my experience, most people are, they'll eat 1400 calories one day, 2400 calories the next day, 1300 calories, 1800. So it's, there's no consistency. And so that alone is stressful in the body. And so if we can bring that consistency into some sort of baseline, figuring out how your body responds on that baseline and then adjust accordingly, to me, that's where I've seen the most success. Hey guys, Dr. Axe here. You know, in the world of health and wellness, I've seen my fair share of wearables, but let me tell you about one that's taken my personal well-being to a whole new level. I'm talking about Apollo wearable. You know, I've been using it now for a few months and the results have been amazing. Better sleep, improved energy, and faster recovery. Developed by neuroscientists and psychiatrists, this next generation device gives you the power to influence how you feel through the sense of touch. Now, let me break this down for you. The Apollo wearable harnesses the power of touch therapy with soothing vibrations, sort of like music for your skin. Higher vibrations boost your energy and sharpen your focus, while lower vibrations melt away stress and promote relaxation. If you're ready to experience the Apollo effect, head over to apolloneuro.com slash ancienthealth that's A-P-O-L-L-O-N-E-U-R-O dot com slash ancient health and use the code AXE to score an exclusive $50 discount. Welcome back to the Ancient Health Podcast, where we educate you on real health solutions that will help transform the way you live, feel, and overcome disease naturally. I'm your host, Courtney Versage, along with Dr. Josh Axe and Dr. Chris Motley. We're so happy you've joined us. Let's dive into today's episode. Hey guys, welcome back. You're listening to the Ancient Health Podcast. My name is Courtney and I'm so excited for this conversation because I get to hang out with one of our friends and friend personally, friend to us as a community. But what's really cool, I think, about interviewing people that you get to know kind of behind the scenes is you really get to see this congruency in their life of where they really walk the walk. And Josh is one of those people. Him and his wife are just salt of the earth people. And they're so on mission because they operate from a place of conviction, not something that they just want to do because they feel like it fills their bucket or it fills a hole in their life. What they do is changing people's lives because they know they're called to it. And I think that that's so unique and special. And I know that that's why he's seen so much success where he is. So guys, thank you so much for joining us. Josh, welcome to the show. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to dig into the topic today and just nerd out with all things post-pregnancy. Uh, yeah. We're gonna, we are going to peel back the layers here because just to give you guys some context. So I got to meet Josh and his wife, Tina, a couple of years ago. And we were part of this leadership mastermind, just learning how to build business, how to really you know, refine ourselves as people, kind of this iron sharpens iron. And so that's where I get to kind of know them on a personal level, um, but also get to see his work firsthand. And he works with a lot of high-performing professionals, um, athletes, and a lot of women. And so, you know, Speaking to the ladies, because I, you know, I love all of you ladies, like y'all are my friends, my girls out there. And it is no easy task running a household, having children, making humans, birthing these humans, trying to live in a toxic world and be as natural as possible. We were just talking about this pre-show 
And it, and it's hard to find time for yourself and one to even know where to spend your time because for me, like it's all about efficiency. Like I got to know, I am willing to put in the work, but I got to know that if I'm putting in the work that I'm going to, I'm going to get the most bang for my buck. And so I feel like that's kind of your sweet spot, Josh. Like, I feel like you can really step in, evaluate what people have going on and really figure out where to turn the dials on their life so that they can start to get amplified output or results from what they're doing. So I want to just start because because of who you are and just, I just love you guys so much. Tell us how you got here. Tell us your story, your why, like, why are you helping people? Like, what are, what's your big, your, your big impact? Like, how are you serving people and why is it so important to you? Yeah, I think everybody has obviously some sort of testimony in terms of health and trying to optimize health and wellness and just be the, the best version of ourselves. And so for me, my entire life started being an athlete playing sports and then leaving sports, needing some sort of outlet, and that was continuing in the gym, which then led me to really understanding the importance of nutrition and how it's fueling your body. I realized that I really enjoy nutrition, and from a body composition and performance perspective, was kind of my in into enjoying nutrition and really understanding uh, the foundational principles of it. I grew up on the standard American diet. I had fast food all the time. I had sugar all the time. And so growing up a very quote unquote unhealthy, but was healthy because I was active and playing sports and things like that. But when I stopped playing sports and realizing, Hey, I need to make sure that my nutrition is on point that led me down. Okay. Deeper dive into starting to cook for myself and realize that, Oh, I actually have better digestion when I make my own food. Um, when I'm not eating these highly processed things with a bunch of sugar, I suffered with acne in my teenage years, which many people do. And actually just transitioning to more whole foods completely cleared up my acne, which was awesome. And then I would say my deep dive into more of the functional medicine space, which is where I operate now. I graduated from Bastyr University, a renowned naturopathic school of medicine uh, with my master's degree in nutrition. And then in 2020, this is where I really went deep into functional medicine. I was bit by a tick. And Western medicine just isn't really strong in the world of uh, like ticks and um, Lyme disease and these co-infections of that. And so that led me down a pretty uh, steep cascade of really diving into understanding root cause. And that's kind of my uh, area of where I operate is just diving deep into that root cause. And so for many people, having some sort of symptom, having some sort of ailment or some sort of dysfunction Obviously, we can slap a Band-Aid on that, which is typically what Western medicine does. But if we can really get to know the underlying issue there, then that's obviously going to have incredible impact. And so even for my wife, Tina, uh, her health journey has been a long one through disordered eating patterns, through hypothyroid, through PCOS, a lot of just dysfunction that we've actually been able to manage and improve a lot through diet and lifestyle, through supplements and really understanding the root problem there. And so our personal testimonies really led us to like, hey, we know that this is something that we found freedom in and that we were actually able to move the needle forward in in our own health. We want to be able to speak into other people. And so really being able to optimize just the basics. People want to really improve their health, but aren't necessarily doing the basic things well. And that's where we've landed, really helping people establish healthy habits that are ultimately going to lead to long-term change 
rather than trying to do a thousand things to improve your health, let's focus on a couple key areas, which I think a lot of like business owners, like high level executives, or even moms, that's kind of where we see the most success is really just doing the little things well over and over again, ultimately leading to a lot of bigger results. That's so good. And I have to emphasize what you said there, like ranking order is everything. I was just on a call yesterday, actually, with another friend, Dr. Anise, and we were talking about this because a lot of times we target the really granular stuff, like the really small things. And we're so frustrated that we don't see the results from it. And then, but if we tackle the bigger stuff that has more of this cascade impact that impacts like all the little things, then you could really one, simplify your efforts, like simplify your entire regimen. And two, like talk about having a little bit more, you know, freedom with what you're, what you're doing with your life. Cause you're not spending, you're not a slave every hour. Like, okay, gotta, I'm gonna put on my castor oil pack and then turn on the red light and then I'm gonna do my enema. And I'm gonna, and like, listen, I love all of them and I do them quite frequently, but I'm just saying, it can be really overwhelming every day to wake up and think, okay, just reset the clock. I got to do these 14,000 things all over again on top of my job, on top of the kids, on top of the laundry and the meals and the shopping and the driving and, you know, fill in the blank. There's so many things. So this is so cool. I love your story. And, and I know that that, that just gives great context for what it is that you're doing. And I want to add additional context. So if you're listening to this, I started working with Josh. Now I've said that I've known him and his wife now for a couple of years. But I started working with him a few months ago. I had this wild hair idea and I thought this would be really cool because I knew we were, we were going to do this podcast and it's been a year now since I've had our third child. And in case you don't know, I'm 37 currently. You know, my other two are a little bit older. So Marley was our straggler, unexpected little surprise. It's a lot different having a baby at 37 than it is 25. So, you know, your body and life circumstances, there are a lot of things that are different. So I struggled a little bit. You know, I struggled coming back from having her. And there's a lot of dynamics too that I'm not even going to get into, but it's a lot harder mentally when you know that your body's recovered well. I know that in this season of my life, I'm more informed than I ever have been. I'm willing to put in the work, I'm willing to make the sacrifices. Yet I feel frustrated because I'm seeing the work I'm putting in and I'm not seeing the results coming out. Or I'm seeing it, but it's just not what I expected. And I had I had to kind of like have a come to Jesus moment of that really reconciling like, okay, Courtney, this is not on your, your timeline. And like your body's obviously giving you some pushback and resistance because there's some underlying things that we're not addressing. And so when I knew that we were having Josh on the podcast, I thought, I'm, you know what? I need to just be like the guinea pig because I've seen him help a number of other friends that are all in this space that are high-level professionals and people that are in the natural health space. Like we're all educated, but we're still, we need help, you know, like you just can't help yourself. So, so first of all, I have to thank you for, for stepping in and like, you know, helping me navigate some of this. But one of the areas that I have not addressed in a really long time was my macros and I have not tracked them. You know, I eat a very whole foods diet. I'm very picky about sourcing. You guys all know this. And I know that so many of you are the same way. However, if you're not counting, you really have no way to measure exactly what you're doing. And let me tell you, the Siete chips start to count up <laughs> when you're making meals and like you think like, oh, it's totally fine. It's cassava flour. Okay. The, the paleo puffs needed to come to a little bit of an end or just be reined in a bit. So let's talk about macros because I think that this whole idea like of counting macros came from diet culture. 
And I want to bust through that because that's not the intention or purpose that we were using this macro counting. It was not about let's just put your body in a severe deficit and force it into uh, weight loss. So talk about how you came up with the macros that you set up and really what you're looking for or evaluating when you're trying to figure out where someone's sweet spot to make them metabolically efficient. Yeah, absolutely. So there, there's obviously so many quote unquote diets out there and fad diets and things like that. And one thing that's super important for me, uh, and I address this with all of my clients, is this concept of sustainability. I want to make sure that every recommendation that I'm giving, whether it's nutrition advice, whether it's fitness advice, supplementation, things like that, that it's going to be sustainable. If you don't feel like you could do something for the rest of your life, it's probably not a good thing to put a lot of brain power into because it's you're ultimately setting yourself up to, I don't want to say fail, but not being in the right frame of mind, the right trajectory. So macros for me, and there's a long backstory to why I got into macros, but for me, that really felt like I was able to eat the foods that I like and enjoy, still have some sort of, I would say, roadmap in terms of overall calorie goals, and then the composition of those foods. And so for me, macros or flexible dieting, if you're familiar with those terminologies, is really just using food and breaking it into its energy components, proteins, fats, and carbs. And so for most people, there's a lot of diets out there that just strictly track calories, which is a, I would say, place to start. But then you want to take that a step further and really begin to understand the composition of, let's say, 2,000 calories. You could hit 2,000 calories in a million different ways. You could have things that are probably more favorable for health and wellness in ways of hitting 2,000 calories that are not as favorable. And so for me, in order of operations and importance, protein is always going to be like the king, the gold standard. This is the macronutrient that provides the most value. It's the most satiating, which means it keeps you the fullest, the longest. It's also not going to contribute to blood sugar in the same way that carbohydrates do. So whereas carbohydrates are a great energy source, it's going to provide a fuel source for your muscles, uh, protein really helps stabilize those blood sugars. Uh, and we'll probably do a deeper dive into the importance of protein and kind of sourcing a protein, things like that. But typically when I'm working with a client, I look, okay, okay let's look at activity level. Let's look at sex. Let's look at um, age, height, weight, all of these variables, and then put that into um, what would be an optimal calorie intake, whether you're aiming to be in a deficit, a maintenance, or a surplus, one of those three um, kind of targets. And then my recommendation for protein is usually in the ballpark of about 0.8 to 1.0 grams per pound of body weight. A lot of the people, experts in the field look at uh, ideal body weight or of lean mass. And so for, let's say the average 150 pound female, you're looking at a protein intake of probably roughly between about 120 and 140, 150 grams of protein a day, which is usually a lot more than people are used to. So I know in your more. experience, even just getting back in the habit of tracking protein regularly. And for me, macros, I don't want people to get into the habit of, hey, I have to track my macros for the rest of my life. To me, tracking your macros is just a tool for a season of really being able to understand the portions that you're eating, being able to visualize, okay, this is what four ounces of meat looks like. This is what like 25 grams of carbohydrates looks like on a plate. This is what X amount of fat looks like. And so being able to use the tracking as a tool, weighing out the food, portioning it, take it, and then ultimately transition yourself into a more intuitive eating approach is great. But like you said, you're eating a very whole foods-based diet, which is amazing. I'm always going to be an advocate for that. 
there are so many variables when it comes to health, especially when you're trying to manipulate body composition. If we can minimize as many of those variables as possible and standardize them, then we should be able to tell, okay, we changed this variable, there's a response. We changed this variable, there's a response. But in my experience, most people are, they'll eat 1400 calories one day, 2400 calories the next day, 1300 calories, 1800. So it's, there's no consistency. And so that alone is stressful in the body. And so if we can bring that consistency into some sort of baseline, figuring out how your body responds on that baseline and then adjust accordingly, to me, that's where I've seen the most success. That's really interesting. Um, and because you always talk, we always see like, especially in functional medicine, we talk about the body's resiliency and adaptability and having this metabolic flexibility. And it's like, well, you should be able to just, you know, fast one day and not even be able to think about it. And, you know, if you just don't get a meal first thing and it's, you know, you, you know that you're metabolically adapted if it's like 1 PM and you haven't eaten anything and you haven't even thought about it. I'm going to just go ahead and tell you guys the first four days that I tracked my macros, I was like, I mean, if you follow me on social, you definitely know those days because I was complaining. I was miserable. I was texting Josh and I was like, I think I might die. Like I've eaten two thirds of my calories and it's like 1130 in the morning. <laughs> and so I was, it just because I, I don't know that I paid attention and like, there's a lot of good food, but I mean, y'all like your girl likes to eat. I mean, I'm like sausage, eggs, like all this. I'll have like this massive meal for breakfast. And I'm like, wow, it really stacks up. And, you know, I'm a very highly active person, but I will say bringing some mindfulness to your meals. And then, like you said, after I tracked for probably the first week, I, I had a really good idea of what like a half a cup of rice looked like, or a half a sweet potato, or, you know, what a, a, third of an avocado look like in terms of like calories and fat and things like that. I actually got to see it. And here's the thing that I learned very quickly. I am a big fan of protein too. And I'm like always advocating for it. When I actually tracked it, I was very like severely under eating protein and I eat protein with all my meals. So I just assumed I was getting enough. But when I was like, actually like I'd get to the end of the day and still have like 60, 70 grams of protein left. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I'm like done eating for the day. And I came up like 60 grams short on protein. So maybe you could speak to that because I feel like moving the protein needle for me actually put my body in a position like outside of everything else, I, just the protein piece alone changed the game for me. Like, what is that doing in terms of female hormones and, um, and metabolism and staying full, that satiating effect? Like, why is protein so important? I love that. And I love that you have that tangible example of being able to speak to just how low uh, your protein is. And that's the common thing that I hear from so many people. If like, oh, I'm eating protein throughout the day, and then they actually start tracking their, their food and see, oh, they hit maybe 40 or 50 grams of protein in a day, which for most people is not even hitting the minimum that they need just to maintain function. And so actually pushing that into optimal, increasing that protein intake. For me, protein is essential because it's literally the building blocks of your muscle tissue and your muscle tissue is what drives your metabolism. It is the most anti-aging tissue that you can have, whereas body fat probably accelerates the aging process more. Having more muscle mass, and this isn't to say that you need to be a bodybuilder, speaking specifically to women, you don't need to be a bodybuilder if you're in the gym doing resistance training, eating protein. But having more lean mass on your frame is going to influence your health in so many ways. 
And so just increasing protein, and I'm a huge fan of animal-based proteins, grass-fed beef, pasture-raised eggs, wild-caught fish, just because the nutrient density, not just from a macronutrient perspective, from a micronutrient perspective as well, really getting all of those important micronutrients, those vitamins, those minerals, the cofactors for all the reactions in the body. But in terms of hormones in women, I see protein to be really effective given that it doesn't have the same impact on blood sugar as let's say carbohydrates. And so carbohydrates, the natural response, the natural metabolism, you're going to digest carbohydrates, you're going to get sugar pushed into the bloodstream, and then your pancreas is going to release insulin to take that sugar out. So if you have periods where you're going with a lot of carbs and then not carbs and a lot of carbs, you're going to get this really like um, sinusoidal wave of just your blood sugar, which can lead to a lot of variations in your mood and your hormones. And I would say women are way more sensitive to hormone fluctuations than men. And so making sure that your blood sugar stays neutral or somewhat controlled more throughout the day is going to have a lot of impact on your stress response, on um, just menstrual cycle. I've seen menstrual regularities from blood sugar problems or insulin resistance and things like that. So really setting yourself up for a win with starting the day with a really strong dose of protein. For a very practical thing for most people, eating three meals a day, hitting 120 grams of protein looks like 40 grams of protein per meal. So if you can structure your meals in a way where you're being protein forward, get your protein in first and then start adding in some carbohydrates, you'll find that you likely don't need as much carbs. You don't need as much of those sides because protein is so filling. And then that's going to sustain your energy throughout the day because you're having the protein, the digestion is slower and you're not having those wild waves in your blood sugar. Yep. That I realized that really fast because, okay, if think about it, an egg, like one egg has like six grams of protein. So yeah. if you need to get 40 grams of protein for breakfast, having like two eggs is not going to make the cut. It's just not going to do it. So one thing that helped me was I started playing around with combining things like eggs with uh, collagen and um, protein powder. So if I use like a bone broth protein or a beef isolate protein, I would use it with collagen and I would use eggs. So all of a sudden, like it really starts to fill in the gaps. And especially if you're doing it in the morning, I think that that was really key to setting me up for success because part of my problem was blood sugar. And so I was just hungry. Like I would, cause I work out in the morning. So I get up early, I'm working out. And then it's like, basically until lunch, I just feel like I can't get full. And so then I'd be, I, you know, I'd be like deep in my calories y'all by, by 12, one o'clock. I was like, oh shoot, I have 300 calories left for the day. <laughs> like I'm not going to make it. But I realized that I wasn't, the macros were off. Like I wasn't, I was getting calories, but I wasn't getting the protein that my body needed. So I couldn't get full. And I mean, I I'm really aware of, you know, there's a lot of intention behind meals. Like I, I will spend the time and like find the right stuff, but I was not doing it right. And that's why I was experiencing a lot of, uh, blood sugar dysregulation, like hangry to like the definition of hangry was like my life for about a week. But I want to ask this because I know that this question will come up. So protein, obviously really important in the morning, is there a preferred timing or meal structure for really allocating calories throughout the day? Now, I realize that this is probably like very bio-individual, but what have you seen that's worked for people? You know, is it having more of your calories on the front end of the day and then having smaller meals? Like, is there any type of rhythm or pattern that you see that's working for people when it comes to weight loss? Yeah. So typically I try to aim for lowest hanging fruit 
And so for most people, just establishing a calorie deficit is the first priority, figure out where their body is expending calories and then decrease from there. And then the next fruit up would be obviously making sure that your macronutrient composition is appropriate. Then the next step up, you can go into meal timing and things like that. If you're not executing on your macros with consistency on a daily basis, getting down to the nitty gritty and, and super granular with the meal timing and everything like that is really not going to move the needle forward that much. Uh, I actually heard Dr. Anise talk about uh, principles of ancient Chinese medicine, eating like a king for breakfast, eating like a prince for lunch and a pauper for dinner, which I think is probably reverse of what we see in Western culture, where people just like they'll have a quick small protein shake because they're heading out the door or they'll swing through Starbucks and get egg bites or whatever it may be. Having a really small breakfast and then stacking a lot of their calories later in the day. And then now your metabolism is starting to slow down because you're preparing to go to bed. So truly, I'm in the camp of try to get most of your uh, foods earlier in the day. Make sure you're getting protein, obviously, throughout the day. I'm also an advocate of stacking your carb-heaviest meals around your workouts. So if you work out in the morning, then your breakfast probably would be your carb-heaviest meal. That way, you're replenishing the uh, glycogen in your muscles. And then um, you're not like having more carbs, just a dose of that later in the day when your activity may not be as high. I do see people from a circadian rhythm perspective and a sleep perspective, not eating too close to bed has a big impact on not only overall circadian rhythm, digestion, but also weight loss um, because your metabolism does actually slow down when you are sleeping. And so if you are trying to be resting while still digesting all that food, then you're not necessarily going to have as much nutrient utilization as you could. Not to say that you're not going to digest and absorb and everything like that, but you're probably not going to have as much utilization as if you were to stack that around times when you're more active. Yeah, that makes total sense. And I totally agree with stacking carbohydrates around workouts because I think that's where people can get in trouble. It's like they cut, you know, out of a workout running off to go do something else. Maybe it's work, maybe it's kids. And all of a sudden, like within moments, you're like starving and it's like, oh my gosh. And but your body just didn't get what it needed to refuel afterwards. And then you're making your kids lunch while you're eating a lunch and then you make a lunch. And so, and then it's just like, okay, now I don't feel very good because my digestion is like really poor and sluggish and I waited too long. So would you say that it's a good strategy for a lot of people to just eat the same foods over and over again, like while they're maybe dialing this in? Yeah, I, I think people have fear around dieting because they feel like they're stuck eating the same things over and over again. That's the beautiful thing about flexible dieting is that you have the ability to throw, like, change out and sub things out. In the early phases, I always recommend people just keep it stupid simple. I know for you, you're like super like high output. You're, you have your brain doing 45 different things at once. And so if you can take some of the mental capacity off of having to plan a meal, cook a meal, execute on a meal, and you're just like, hey, I'm going to map out what this week is going to look like and probably pick one or two different options for breakfast, one or two options for lunch, one or two options for dinner, and give yourself some ability to be flexible within those. And then at the end of the week, maybe you're like, okay, those options, I'm kind of tired of them. So come up with new options. And then you kind of rotate through. Maybe one of the options was really good. You're like, I'm going to keep that rolling into the next week, but I'm going to come up with one additional option. That way I keep things fresh. So I see it most favorable for business owners, for high-level executives, people that just are go, 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 is to really solidify things, eat for performance, eat for nourishment, don't necessarily eat 100% for taste and variety. That will come, but 
open up your brain capacity for other important things. Yeah, I definitely found it to be a lot easier just repeating a lot of the same stuff, like meal prepping, which I realize can just be kind of monotonous, boring, and not that exciting. However, while you're in like a very short period of time where you're really trying to support your body, it can be easy because it's just one less thing you have to think about, especially if you are in a busy season and you're frustrated with your body. Like probably the best thing for you is to simplify your life in ways that you can simplify your life because the more you can relax your body and get it to feel safe, the more comfortable it's going to feel tapping into fat stores. But you're never going to do that when you're all amped up and your panties are in a wad all the time because you're just so bound up, right? You're sympathetic dominant. You're just constant fight or flight and your nervous system is never going to allow you to really settle in and say, okay, we could actually burn some of this extra fuel. Like you, you'll just be hungry and you'll be anxious and you'll have anxiety and you won't sleep well. You won't recover well. And I just feel like it's this feedback loop and right. And it's just it constantly in your mind, you're just on this hamster wheel. And it's like, then you start having anxiety about the fact that you're working hard and you're not getting results. And so you got to now white knuckle it a little bit harder. And then the more you do that, your body just fights that, that resistance over and over. And trust me, I've done it to myself so many times. You'd think I would learn at this point, but I'm a little more sensitive to it now. I can tell when I'm bearing down on my body a little bit too much. And I'm like, you know, if I just take my foot off the gas for just a minute, I probably would do myself a favor and wouldn't be as inflamed and wouldn't have stomach pains after I eat because I'm just so anxious. And it's like my body is in constant state of stress. So I want to actually touch on something that I felt like was kind of helpful, but also equally of value when you're helping somebody, right? Many of us have pre-existing conditions or we've got some limitations. And so we're almost afraid because maybe we've got low thyroid, maybe we've got gut infections. What are the things you're considering or suggesting to people, assuming that we're not, we're, we're all coming into it with some metabolic issues, right? Like, you know, if we're trying to become more lean, we're trying to build muscle, like we've got blood sugar issues, but many of us have like a diagnosis or we have something that we know somebody has told us, Hey, your gut is very leaky. You've got H. pylori. You've got X, Y, and Z. What are the other outstanding contributing factors that you're like, this is how I would approach, like, this is what we need to be sensitive to, to make sure that we don't add extra stress burden to your body. Are there things like tools or anything that you're, you know, evaluating and supporting the body with? Yeah. And this is really where just coming into it from a holistic mindset or more functional approach is, is really just to establish healthy foundational habits, kind of the the model and the foundation of how we work with clients is going through these different strategies, eat well, sleep well, think well, move well, feel well, having those be really the root, the foundation. So someone may come to me and have, yes, H. pylori, they may have SIBO, they may have hypothyroid or something like that, which we certainly will walk towards, but that isn't the first thing that I'm looking at. The first thing I'm looking at is Hey, what's the regularity of your, your diet? What's the regularity of your sleep? Are you getting adequate sleep? Are you tracking your sleep? How's your mental health? Because there's so much integrated in between gut health, brain health, and things like that. How's your movement? For a lot of times, and I, I have a, a particular client that uh, had a baby and was doing all the things. Like She's like, hey, I'm working so hard. Why am I not getting results? Um, and so we actually kind of dug deeper into her scenario, and she had some kind of underlying metabolic issues and whatnot. But she was eating about a thousand calories a day and doing close to 30,000 steps a day. So I said, we need to like flip this and actually decrease your output and increase your intake 
to get your body in a position where it actually can function optimally again. She was still nursing. I don't know how she was still producing at a thousand calories a day with that kind of output. But what we saw over the course of about four months is as I significantly increased her calorie intake and significantly reduced her output, her body actually adjusted and got into a natural rhythm and weight loss just like began to happen. And so she had doubled her calories over about four months, significantly reduced her output and had lost about 10 to 15 pounds. And we didn't do anything specific on like thyroid dysfunction or gut. It was literally just get her body back into balance in that parasympathetic state, really understanding those basic foundational principles to where now, okay, now your body's back to probably a more appropriate baseline. We can look at the status of your gut. We can run tests. We could do a GI map. We could do a breath test to figure out, okay, what's going on under the surface. And now we can work to support that. But if I try to support that from the start, her body's already so spun up and in fight or flight that we're probably not going to get very far because her body and her immune system is so overdrive. Yeah. Gosh, that's crazy. And I know so many women that they, you know, I mean, I know all you ladies out there, if you're listening and, and, you know, you've had kids or maybe you haven't had kids yet, but you know, even, even if regardless of the whole childbearing thing, like we, we severely undernourish ourselves a lot. And we think that that's the norm. And we think that if our body's not responding to that, then shoot, we certainly can't increase our calories or our macros because imagine what we look like then. Like we're barely making it by on a thousand calories. Like if we went to 1500 or 1750, like things could be really bad, but that's not how the body works. It's not a calories in calories out. It's this dynamic machine and like a thermal machine. And the more you can build muscle, the more efficiently you burn calories. Muscle's very expensive too. So it's expensive for your body to maintain muscle. And if you are un constantly undernourishing and underfeeding that muscle, guess what? It's going to burn it up. It's going to use it and it will no longer exist. And now your metabolic ability just starts to be to dwindle. So you, you now have lowered the threshold. So yeah, you're going to be operating. You're gonna have lower energy, probably more brain fog. You're gonna have less muscle. You're going to, you, you will ultimately become less resilient of a person. So that's a, that's a crazy story, but it's probably true and holds true for so many women. So if you have been on that restricting pattern and you feel like your body's going the opposite direction, would you say then Josh, like maybe let's start increasing and see what happens because you may, it may not make sense in your mind, but your body will do things and respond in a different way because that's not the way that it, it computes like a math model in our minds is not the way that our bodies are built and designed. Yeah. And not only going against what our body's designed, but also going against diet culture, everything we've ever been, ever heard is all oh, you want to lose weight, cut calories, increase your activity. And so now you find people that are in the scenario where they're significantly undernourishing themselves and then overproducing and trying to like make that a math equation make sense. And so for a lot of people, when I say, hey, we're going to increase calories, they're like, uh, my goal was to lose weight. And I said, I know. And that doesn't happen for everybody. I mean, going through a reverse diet is not indicated for all people in all seasons of life. But I would say I've coached over a thousand people. And I would say that most common theme is people under eating, men and women. And so just getting you from a current calorie intake to even what a standard, you can look up calorie expenditure equations online. Mifflin St. Gior is probably the gold standard. You can put your height, your weight, your sex, everything in this and get a, a number of about how much calories your body's burning on a daily basis, which is great on paper. 
But clinical application, I just don't see people being able to intake that kind of number. So you hear, oh, eat 2000 calories a day. That's kind of the gold standard. The amount of women that I've coached that can effectively eat over 2000 calories a day is a small percentage of the population of women that I've coached. I would say most women are in a maintenance phase between 1400 and 1800 calories a day, which is significantly below many of the equations. And so if we take that, we're like, okay, in order to get you to be able to eat more food, we have to prioritize protein. We have to put on more muscle mass because ultimately that's going to drive your maintenance calories back up. Does that need to be, does that set point need to change? Like, like just saying, you know, okay, maybe you're postpartum, maybe you're not, but how much do we need to be fluctuating? Like, do you find that baseline and you're like, that's my sweet spot. That's where I stay. Or yeah, are there seasons where you're like, Hey, yeah, we do try to push, you know, in the, the envelope with calories or sometimes like, are there benefits to cycling through deficits and a surplus when it comes to macros? I believe so. I think there, there's always an opportunity to improve your body composition. And so if you can increase your muscle mass through a slight surplus, uh, where you're eating more food than you're burning, increasing muscle mass, and then you get to a good point, and then you may go into a deficit phase just to bring your body fat percentage down a few points. And then you may sit at maintenance for a while. But for most people, they don't even know what their baseline is, and they're eating probably in a surplus or in a deficit, just depending on, I mean, deficit by what they should be. And so that's cyclic. And that also comes and goes with the seasons. Like, so um, summertime, fall, winter, spring. And I know that also is a, a component to Chinese medicine of kind of the cyclic nature. Um, but always being a surplus is obviously going to be problematic. Always being in a deficit is going to be problematic. If you're comfortable where you're at in a body composition, your health markers or things like that, and then you can cruise at a maintenance like for a long time. And just kind of have day-to-day fluctuations, week-to-week fluctuations. But over the grand scheme of things, you're probably going to be pretty like steady. I love that you brought you went like right there where I was actually thinking about seasons, the seasonality. And we talk about in Chinese medicine, you know, having these seasons of rest and like how winter is very restorative. And it's a time to really evaluate like your thoughts and the direction of where you're going and really be more like internal, right? Like really just setting. Um, the framework up for where you want to go and, um, and just giving your body a lot of downtime and relaxation. So I think that the, the, the cyclical nature of this is really important. And I think even for women month to month, you can have that same mindset because I noticed, okay, month one, I mean, obviously the first like week was kind of a little brutal, (laughs) just, just because like, it was very revealing for one. I was like, wow, I'm in the small camp of people that can do 2000 calories. Like, Easily, but you know, the coconut mana can, can add up like, cause I, I like a lot of like dense, rich things. So, you know, uh, uh, anyway, we'll just leave that where it is. But I say all of that, like if you're a cycling female month to month, you are going to have to adjust your macros a little bit because it, week to week, I'll say it that way, not month to month, but week to week throughout your cycle, because I did notice like luteal phase. And we've talked about this on other podcasts. I needed to dial back the exercise a little bit. Like I, I still like the movement piece. Like it doesn't mean I just sit like a vegetable on the couch, but I am a little bit more, uh, intentional about doing things more like yoga, not like doing box jumps and burpees and kettlebell swings. And also having a little bit more of the carbohydrate, right. To support progesterone. Cause I have for sure seen a direct correlation in my workout efforts and, uh, and, and carbohydrates specifically with progesterone. 
my progesterone will hit the bottom of the barrel so fast. And I'll feel terrible between ovulation and then my menstrual period, because there's just not enough progesterone because my body's like, okay, well, we, you know, potentially, you know, the the way that your body's designed is that it's, it's thinking, Hey, we're going to prepare for pregnancy potentially. And so it needs you to, it needs to be able to put all this extra effort and it needs to utilize the extra resources. And if the resources aren't there, it's going to start compromising on other things like your sex hormones. So, so that's something too, that I found, do you, and I could actually have like the wrong language for this, but I said this on social media and I got a lot of people asking about it. So I want to ask you directly, are there things as refeeds? Are they something that people should be doing? Because I, I gave myself a refeed because after about a week, I was like, oh gosh, like I kind of feel good. And, but I also feel like, you know, I came out of the gates like real hot and heavy, which I normally do with anything. So I, I for sure just like, you know, dropped the hammer on everything and probably went too far too fast. But I got like day six in and I was like, I feel like I just need to eat a giant bowl of potatoes right now. (laughs) So are like carb refeeds a thing? Is that like bodybuilding language? Is it a terrible idea? Like what are your thoughts around that? Cause I for sure did it. And I was like, I don't know if this is a good thing or not, but it feels right. No. And, and you explained it very well when you post that on your story. And I love that you use the terminology refeed instead of cheat meal. I tell people flush cheat meal. Do not use that language again. Cheat meal is basically, it's completely untracked. There's no plan. There's no rhyme or reason. You eat whatever you want to whatever portion, whatever quantity that you want versus a refeed. And there actually is research um, to show that refeeds can be really beneficial. If you look at a prolonged diet period, people that did regular refeeds actually retained more muscle mass and was able to hit a lower weight and keep the weight off longer because of hormones and because there's, there's a uh, psychological component to refeeds, but there's also a physiological, physiological component. Um, and so in the scenario where uh, someone may be needing a refeed, maybe they're going through a period of eating a lower carbohydrate diet, and you have hormones leptin and ghrelin um, that influence your hunger and satiety. And so as you decrease body fat, you're going to get a change in these leptin and ghrelin hormones, where you're going to get an increase in hunger and a decrease in satiety. So you're going to feel hungry more because your body's like, we're losing fuel. We need to increase the amount of like storage that we have. And so your body does it almost like a defense mechanism. And so there's the aspect of actually, yes, replenishing the sugar in your muscles, giving yourself kind of that boost, but also a psychological component to that. Maybe you've gone through a period where you just drained. You've gone through multiple days of low carb, maybe even multiple weeks of low carb. And then you do a either a single refeed day or back-to-back refeed day. There's good research on both. Those can actually replenish your leptin and ghrelin hormones back to baseline, whereas your body weight is still lower, but your hormones are back to baseline. And so then you can continue that dietary process. In terms of a refeed, it's, it's a programmed higher carbohydrate day. So when I say that you explain it correctly, it is a programmed higher carbohydrate day. You still can, obviously in the world of flexible dieting, still can have a variety of foods and eat kind of whatever you want, but it's not just kind of just blow it through the roof. It's not have a bunch of excess calories from fat. Typically, I decrease protein and then increase carbs on those refeed days because carbohydrates are protein sparing. In terms of psychological, like you get a, a boost in dopamine, you get a boost in serotonin. And so being able to utilize that effectively but not do it all the time to where you're like, oh, I need a refeed and refeed. Oh, I need a refeed and refeed, but actually understand, okay, my workouts are starting to get a little stagnant. Like my mood is probably suboptimal. 
maybe some changes in stress, maybe some changes in menstrual cycle, maybe it's a couple extra days or whatever that ends up being. Okay, yeah, let's do a couple of days of a higher carbohydrate, kind of do a reset and then kind of figure out from there. So yes, it's absolutely correct to do refeeds. It's not just a bodybuilding terminology, although it's used a lot effectively in bodybuilding. Um, it's something that anybody can do. Okay, so I, I have to ask, what is your favorite refeed meal or food? I eat pretty bland, uh, to be honest. Um, my main carbohydrate sources are white rice and potatoes. And so when I was in contest prep and doing things like that, like it, just going from, let's say, a cup of rice to even two cups of rice felt like the best thing in the world. And I felt super good. I also look at how I digest those foods. I digest car those uh, rice and potatoes really, really well. And so if I'm looking strictly from a digestion perspective, that's why I go with those food sources versus something probably a little bit heavier. People do a variety of different things versus like, let's say someone goes out and just crushes a whole pizza. To me, that would be considered a cheat meal versus actually a refeed because there's no rhyme or reason. You're not actually planning for, okay, maybe just a little bit more carbohydrates. To be honest, I just love food. So if I can just increase food, uh, then I'll just increase the amount of potatoes or rice that I'm eating. I love food too. We, <laughs> I, I can, I could get on that bandwagon with you. I'm definitely a rice and sweet potato gal myself. So that seems to be kind of my go-to. And when I kind of got to um, that point. And for me, the biggest symptom was like by one o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday, I was like, I feel like I could take a nap and I'm not a napper. Like even after I had the baby, I think I took like two naps total, like total after I had her, I just don't like sleeping during the day. Even if I, my body like definitely needs it, I will fight it. I just hate sleeping when it's daytime. So when I knew at like one, two o'clock in the afternoon that I was like, I'm kind of falling asleep. I, it was my energy. And I knew at that point, I was like, I just think I need some carbs like in my life. Now, is there a time of day? Because I actually found that doing this, like not before bed, you know, like an earlier dinner at like five and having those extra carbs then. And I was still able to kind of move. So I, my body was able to handle the blood sugar aspect, but I slept like so good. I mean, having the extra carbs like later in the day, kind of when I felt like I needed it and I was either going to just one snack mindlessly on a bunch of stuff. Like if you can be intentional, I think you even said that like intentionally planning that that's huge because it's when you're constantly fighting it, that you just lose the mental war and you're just, you know, yeah, everybody throws in the towel and they're just like, you know what? I'm going to eat the chips and salsa. I'm just, yeah. I'm just tired of this. Yeah. In term, I mean, if you look at carbohydrate metabolism, carbohydrates increase serotonin in the gut and serotonin is a precursor to melatonin. And so melatonin obviously be your sleep, wake, your nighttime uh, hormone. And so that dose of carbohydrates at dinner is then boosting those hormones, which is then going to further support your circadian rhythm. But obviously pairing that with protein and having healthy fats. So you're not just getting this massive blood sugar bomb. But that's probably why you felt really good and slept really good. Also, glucose is the primary fuel source of the brain. And so if you are eating a lower carbohydrate diet, you not producing ketones because you're still taking in carbs, you're likely going to be probably have some degree of brain fog or just your brain is not operating as best as it could just from a fuel perspective. And so maybe just that's where really prioritizing the timing of the meals, pre and post workout and things like that, or maybe when you need to be the most alert just to give your brain that fuel is going to be helpful. 
Gosh, that makes total sense. I never even thought about the serotonin piece and even the brain piece because your body's doing so much work, like detoxification work and rebuilding and all of that. And if it doesn't have the raw materials it needs, then it would make sense that you're not going to have the most efficient sleep and you're not going to wake up and probably feel like you've got energy for the day because your body didn't really have a whole lot to work with the night before to do all of these important tasks that it does while you're sleeping. So that's actually a really important component. So I love that you mentioned that. Okay. I want to, I want to give everybody just an idea. Like if they're interested in doing a full overhaul, because I will tell you, this was, this was the, the timing was insane. Like Josh knows, like we're in the middle of multiple moves. There is more chaos in my life than I could even describe right now. However, doing this amongst all the chaos was actually one of the greatest gifts because it allowed me to really control the one variable in life that I felt like I could have control over. So if you feel like maybe the timing is not right, but you're really frustrated with how you feel and how you look, let me just be a a voice of encouragement to you that this, this is totally doable and it can be done no matter what season of life you find yourself in. If you have absolutely no rhythm and like right now we're recording and it's summer. And so the kids are home. I mean, everything's a disaster. It's like every day I wake up and I'm just like, whoa, we haven't had air conditioning in a week. It's like 95 degrees. It's like 80 inside. So anyway, I say all of that, but being able to feel like I have some control over the variable of food has been so supportive, not just physically, but mentally for me. And I feel that I've had so much movement on, I mean, even this morning I was at the gym and the guy that owns the gym even told me, he was like, I can't believe how different. Cause we were out of town for almost a month. He was like, your body composition looks so different, even in the one month. And that was after we started working together. Um, it was really only four or five weeks that we had been kind of in the trenches working on it. And the, the main thing I've been doing is just consistent with the workouts, which Josh has worked with me on sending me workouts, making sure I'm building muscle. And then really tailoring and making sure I'm hitting the macros so that my body's getting the fuel that it needs from the right places in the right amounts. And I've been able to kind of experience some of those bumps in the road, which is, you know, not only had me asking questions of, okay, maybe I need to rest. Maybe I need to add in some extra carbs. Like those are all some things that like you start to learn about your body, but I'm starting to see the needle move. And it's like I said, I'm a year postpartum. So If you are in a season where you're like, I just don't know if I can commit to that. I feel like there's no way I'm telling you, you can do it. So Josh, can you tell everybody where they can find you? Like what it could look like to maybe work with you and, and kind of, or, or just have like components of this where they could access it. Because I honestly, it's been so helpful. And even if you are so dialed in on natural health and you know, all the right foods and all of that. There's a lot you can learn about yourself if you haven't really taken inventory of what your meals are and like what they actually consist of when you break down those macromolecules. So it can be a really good teaching component for you to understand like, okay, maybe my body's coming up short here because you know that the body will adapt in short periods of time. So I'm getting long-winded, but Josh, give us the rundown of like where you're at, what it looks like to work with you, your social, all the places. Yeah. So there's a couple of different options within that, but you had talked about, there's not really a perfect time to start anything. And I completely agree with that. The intention isn't just to add more chaos to the plate. The intention is to, okay, if you can really like create healthy habits in the chaos, then when things are rolling smoothly and everything like that, then that's going to continue as a discipline and kind of carry you through. You have more control over it. 
So if you're at any stage, like there's opportunities for you to even invest small daily habits that ultimately are going to lead to big change. And that's really where like I like to speak to is like, hey, where can we find a couple areas in your day? You and I were talking about, hey, how can we automate even something as simple as meals and automating your meals and things like that? So there's different automations that you could do. But at any stage, we really want to be able to speak to that. So we have different options in terms of kind of where you're at. Uh, if you're very entry level into the world of health and wellness, or you just want to reestablish some healthy habits, we've created a, a six-week self-paced course that goes through the very principles of eat well, sleep well, think well, move well, feel well, with a lot of practical application. Each week, you'll have takeaways, you'll have take-homes. And so that may be a great place to start for many of you. And if you're like, hey, I have those things down, I'm solid on those, I really want to dive deeper, then I do have one-on-one -on -one coaching options available. And then that's for the average person, that's for high-level executives. Um, and then even going up to where business CEOs, high-level executives are like, hey, I just need you to just tell me, I'm going to do all these labs. I'm going to do the everything that you say. Give me the supplements, give me the nutrition plan, give me the workouts like so that I can just go and kind of operate at my own pace. I have any of those options. So best way to get a hold of me to do a discovery call would be either to go through my Instagram at Josh Kreifels RD or go through our website, which is Kreifwell, K-R-E-I-F-W-E-L-L.com and go through and hit contact and there'll be a discovery form and then uh, a spot for you to schedule a discovery call. We'll hop on a call, figure out where you're at and where you would be a best fit, whether it's going through the course as a starting place, whether it's jumping right in with the one-on-one -on -one or even doing the high-level executive complete uh, wellness protocol. Yeah, I think it could be really helpful to find somebody that you trust, that you know is going to come alongside you and really help you troubleshoot some of those areas because we we all need it from time to time. And I mean, you and I both are in this world of natural health. And how many times do we call and lean on each other and our mutual friends? Like we were, you know, it's like unbelievable how many times on a weekly basis I feel like I'm leaning on other professionals in the space because I need somebody else to look and evaluate my health and or my children or something else without my eyes looking at it because i'm so used to just seeing what i see all the time it's hard to get context and really be able to point things out and say you know hey this do you real this this might not be serving you or this might actually be a problem because it's just you're kind of numb to it because it's just so familiar so sometimes yeah. having these people you know even for a period of time and i will challenge you if your season is busy right now that is probably the best time because your body needs you to show up for it. Like you cannot cut, you, you do not want to wait until the, the craziness is over. And then you're picking up the pieces of your body because guess what? Your thyroid, your gut, like it has come at the expense of all of these different things that have had to try so hard, but they just didn't have the support they needed. So if you know, like I'm in the thick of it, just buckle down, like find the person, the course, like Josh has, you know, multiple things. And honestly, like his Instagram is great. And you have to follow his wife too, Tina, because she's, she hysterically documents like their life together and she's just a hoot. I love her so much. She just, she just gives me so many laughs on a day-to-day -day basis. So I appreciate, I appreciate her value, but I appreciate her humor even more. So guys, usually make sure at my expense, it, it does a lot of times come at your expense, but you know, we, we all need a good laugh sometimes. So we thank you for taking one for the team. <laughs> Doing my part.
That's right. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us. I know that this conversation has blessed me. I hope that you have some takeaways, some tangibles. Like I said, check Josh out on Instagram, all of his courses online. We'll link everything in the show notes for you. Hit us up um, over at the Health Institute on Instagram. Send us a message if you love this. Like, share, subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. Thank you for joining us and we will see you on the next episode. Hey, Dr. Axe here. I want to say thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to like and subscribe to the show so you don't miss a thing. Also, if you're in search of more natural health content, you can follow us at Health Institute on Instagram or subscribe to our newsletter using the link in the show notes below. Hey, thanks a lot and have a blessed week.